Welcome to a nonfiction story cast about people in Seattle who built churches and how they did it. I'm Cindy Safranoff. I'm the author, and this is Dedication, building the Seattle branches of Mary Baker Eddy's church, a centennial story. Episode 37, Final Plans. On November 24, 1921, a series of minor headlines in Seattle newspapers about news from Boston was major news for church members. The Christian science controversy was over. The Massachusetts Supreme Court handed down a ruling in favor of the board of directors of the Mother Church. In early 1922, the first reader at Third Church of Christ Scientist announced from the desk that the Christian Science Publishing Society was now under the control of the board of directors. The Christian Science Monitor and the other periodicals could once again be purchased through their reading room. The Christian Science churches in Seattle had been running a large weekly advertisement in the local newspapers for locations and service times, and this was discontinued. They renewed their listings in the Christian Science Journal directory. Having united in their support of the Mother Church in the controversy, within the Seattle congregations there might have been some expression of happiness over the ruling. But regardless of how individuals might have felt about the issues, and there was at least one local Christian scientist who had sided with the Christian Science Publishing Society, and that publicly. Overall, there must have been felt a collective sigh of relief that the court battles were finally over. Reverend Mary Baker Eddy's church and her governing church manual had survived a supreme test. In the spring of 1922, Third Church was ready to move forward again on their building project. To finance the remaining construction, they decided to mortgage the land. The members' requirement to pay for each phase separately made it impossible to get a conventional mortgage loan from any bank. As an alternative method of borrowing money, they sold $50,000 worth of bonds at a time. It helped that their new church treasurer, Miss Bertha Vera Sandall, had experience handling mortgage bonds and worked at the company selected to act as trustee for the bonds. But as a board member later explained, it was not possible to market these bonds in the usual way. Instead, with the aid of the other churches in the city, the loan money they needed came quickly from friends, mostly students of Christian science. At Third Church, the first reader announced at services that bonds were available for sale from the treasurer at church and at the reading room. The building committee expressed a sense of enthusiasm over the speed at which the bonds sold. 
but now they had to face sobering problems of managing the construction project. It seemed the biggest problem was the architect. With his busy travel schedule, George Foote Dunham had not been available to supervise the construction as originally expected. Furthermore, the committee had never received the complete plans with design detail. They described the preliminary drawings as extremely indefinite. The committee and construction crew had to work from the preliminary plans. They had to improvise. As they did, they were shocked to realize that some things had not been considered at all in the design, such as access to the organ loft, a serious error according to the representative from the Kimball Organ Company, and there were other problems. They were not happy with Mr. Dunham's plan for heating or lighting. The lobby floor vibrated when walked on. After heavy rains, the roof leaked. The building contractor was not happy with the drainage design. When the committee talked with Dunham about these issues, Helen Lance recorded that he gave only vague, evasive replies. In the meeting minutes, Mrs. Lance wrote, Those of the committee present felt convinced of two things. First, that individually and as a committee, the members must rise higher in the demonstration of service through a clearer realization of church as taught in our textbook, in meeting the problem confronting them. Second, that some definite action must be taken soon regarding the architect. For the definite action to be taken, Robert DeCoux conducted an investigation. He concluded that Dunham's work on design and artistic effect was excellent but in the more practical details, he was sorely lacking. Unfortunately, this architect was inclined to take advice of people who were not experts. The building committee had a frank talk with Dunham about their desire to put the work in other hands, deducting accordingly from his commission. The architect countered with a promise to consult more with experts. He had just returned from travels back east, where he had the opportunity to study the details of design of several churches. After consulting with an expert engineer, he assured the committee that he would produce the detailed plans the contractor needed to estimate the building costs for the next phase. He never did. Consequently, numerous unforeseen expenses would arise, adding several thousand dollars to the construction cost. Meanwhile, committee members worked intensively on all the other finishing details that still needed to come together at the right time. They were having meetings several times each week to make decisions in addition to carrying out their own individual assignments between meetings, communications with vendors, 
taking field trips to suppliers and visits to the building site. Then there was the problem of supervision of the construction. Once the construction was underway, Mr. Deku was spending most of his days managing the details of the work. The chair raised this issue for discussion at a building committee meeting one evening at the reading room. The other members saw this imbalance of workload as unfair. This could not continue. They had no budget to hire anyone to supervise, nor could they pay a committee member to do the work. So they concluded together that the time had come for each member of the committee to wake up to his responsibilities and be willing to sacrifice his personal and private interests. They agreed to a new procedure where the contractor would call Mrs. Lance whenever there was a need for a decision, and she would call the other members by telephone to get a decision within a few hours. All members would stay in readiness to visit the church at any time, each taking turns doing the daily inspections. At this point, they recorded a sense of burden and confusion and concluded that these were errors which had arisen to becloud the vision of church as understood in Christian science. They reminded themselves yet again how important it was in their work to devote at least a few moments at each meeting to reading from the Bible and Mary Baker Eddy's writings. As the final phase of construction was going on, the whole membership met together once each month after the Wednesday evening testimony meeting for spiritual giving to support the building going on. The long-desired church edifice for Third Church was finally nearing completion. Thanks for listening to Dedication by me, Cindy Safranoff. All events and characters in this story are as true and accurate as the available sources. All opinions are mine. To support and learn more about this groundbreaking research project and read my writing, visit cindysafranoff.com.